The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Changing the Game with HR, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the HR status quo and how people are organized, engaged, and motivated to create real business impact. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, 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 welcome. Hey, if you can count to four, you know how many welcomes I said. You know how many people we have on the panel today. This is Changing the Game with HR. My goodness, it's September 1st, 2016. Where did the summer go? Where did the year go? We're here with a great topic today and an excellent panel. Let me get started. What's the buzz on the street? Tick-tock, tick-tock. No, I'm not counting down to what you're doing on New Year's. This is a wake-up call for HR. Hello, HR. Pay attention. We have news for you. It's time for your payroll function, which is under your purview now. It's time for your payroll function to shift from a transactional data entry commodity, come on, you know that's true, to a transformational mindset. Wow, are we waking you up? Is this breaking news? Well, if it is, you got to stick around. Why are we saying this? In this era where we need to question all people-based functions, payroll has power, new power. Power to do what? To provide potentially large-scale transformational insights that can impact your HCM, human capital management talent and compensation strategies. Come on, let's break it down. Talent, that's the people you have in your organization who are going to do the jobs you need to keep your company sustainably growing and profitable and doing your wonderful work, as well as compensation. Well, you got to pay them. Okay, that goes together. So are you ready? Is your payroll company organization ready in your company? Well, we certainly hope so, but if not, I have a panel of four thought leaders, experts in this field who are going to help you figure it out. Let me just tell you who's on the show today, and then I'll start introducing them. First up on the panel, we'll be speaking with Tony Cassatt. If you want to look him up, it's C-U-S-A-T. He's a member of ADP's multinational senior leadership team. Joining him on the panel, sitting next to him on the roundtable, is Dr. Brian Fieser, F-I-E-S-E-R, president of 3D Results. Next to Brian on the panel is Jason Hall, VP of Strategy and Operations at CDK Global. And around the other side of the table is Mary Sidlaskas. I'll spell her last name in case you want to Google her. S-I-D-L-A-U-S-K-A-S, Solution Management Director at SAP Success Factors. Now I'm going to go back around the table to Tony Cassatt. And Tony sent me an interesting opening quote from Pat Riley. Now, those of you who are not in North America may not be familiar with Mr. Riley. He's still very much alive and well, born on March 20th, 1945, full name Patrick James Riley. He's an American 
professional basketball executive and a former coach and player in the National Basketball Association we finally call the NBA. You might be interested to know that, let's see, he has been the team president of the Miami Heat since 1995 and a head coach in two separate tenures, 95 to 2003 and 2005 to 2008. He is widely regarded as one of the greatest NBA coaches of all time. He served as the head coach of five championship teams, four with the L.A. Lakers and one with the Heat, and he was named one of the ten greatest coaches in NBA history back in 1996. Here is the quote that Tony Cassatt has selected from Pat Riley. Quote, to energize a team to break through to its goal, some message must act as a catalyst to ignite that energy. Tony Cassatt, welcome to Game Changers. How are you today? I'm doing great, Bonnie. Great to be here with you. Wonderful. Love the quote. I'm always happy to see Pat Riley's name pop up on the source of our opening quotes, Tony, because he just really did it all. He was a winner and a winner and winner in so many roles and talking about igniting that energy. So I'd love for you to take that quote and relate it to our topic today. We're talking HR. We're talking HCM. We're talking payroll. We're talking moving from just putting things on paper to making a transformation in the company. So go ahead, Tony. How does this work for us? I think, Bonnie, it's uh, critical to understand in today's market when we talked about payroll and HR and talent, as the market continues to change, there needs to be a message or a goal that everyone can kind of get energized around. I thought the concept around Pat Riley and teamwork to be successful are things that are critical when you start thinking about how to apply HR and payroll and transforming the organizations in order to leverage that data and information in a more practical manner. Thank you, Tony. Question for you. When I said in the beginning, when I opened the show, wake up, HR, is anybody sleeping? Does anybody not know that it's time to go from simple data entry in your payroll function to being part of that transformational mindset that's going to let companies really rock and roll and do great in their market? Is anybody not aware of this? Yep. I think uh, what you find today, uh, Bonnie, is the fact that many organizations, they're aware of it. But because it's hard to determine how to connect the different components that existed in organizations prior to this transformation, it's difficult to kind of get everyone aligned and pulling in the right direction to leverage this information as they kind of look at some of the older methodologies that were used and and sometimes fail to connect the dots and understanding how hard it is in order to get everyone pulling in the right directions to make better use of this information. Thank you. And that's where igniting the energy, connecting those dots, and needing the catalyst comes in. Thank you so much, Tony. Pleasure to meet you. And now let's move a little bit around the table to Dr. Brian Fieser. As I said, he's president of 3D Results. And he has sent us a quote from Teddy Roosevelt. 1858 to 1919, American statesman, author, explorer, soldier, naturalist, and reformer who served as the 26th president of the United States from 1901 to 1909. He was a leader of the Republican Party. I won't make any comments on that in this election year here in the U.S. We're not a political show. He became a driving force for the progressive era in the U.S. in the early 20th century. What's interesting was that he ran for mayor of New York in 1886 and didn't make it. Well, then he went all the way up to U.S. government and was Assistant Secretary of the Navy under William McKinley, and he resigned her after a year and went and joined the Rough Riders, where he became very courageous and joined fame in the Spanish-American War. He came back a war hero, and guess what? They elected him governor of New York, so I guess mayor was beneath him in 1898. Then they didn't like him. 
they didn't like him. The state party leadership said, oh, we don't trust this guy, Rough Rider or not. So they moved him to the powerless role of vice president as McKinley's running mate in the 1900 election. Well, guess what happened? McKinley was assassinated a year later in 1901. And Teddy Roosevelt, at age 42, became the youngest U.S. president in history. So time and place being in the right place and the right time, I'm not sure, but it sounds like it. Here's the quote from Teddy Roosevelt. Do what you can where you are with what you have. Good quote from Teddy Roosevelt. Now let's move a little bit more around the table to Jason Hall, VP of Strategy and Operations at CDK Global. And Jason has sent a quote from Peter Singe, S-E-N-G-E, the fifth discipline. Singe was born in 1947, very much alive and well, an American systems scientist, a senior lecturer at the MIT Sloan School of Management, co-faculty at the New England Complex Systems Institute. I didn't even know we had a complex systems (laughs) institute. And the founder of the Society for Organizational Thinking. I wish he was Society for Organized Thinking. I'd I'd go take classes there. And he's the author of the book. Yes, I know. The author of the book, The Fifth Discipline, The Art and Practice of the Learning Organization. And he has a regular meditation practice, which began to his trip in 1996 to a Zen Buddhist monastery before he went to Stanford and came back to the real world where he got a BS in aerospace engineering and study philosophy. That's quite a career. But let me just give a little background here, if you don't mind, uh, Jason. The five disciplines referred to are personal mastery, mental models, building shared vision, team learning, and systems thinking. And here's the quote Jason has selected. New insights fail to get put into practice because they conflict with deeply held internal images of how the world works, images that limit us to familiar ways of thinking and acting. Great quote. Jason Hall, welcome. How are you today? Very good. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining me. Talk to me. A big fan and follower of Mr. Sange, and how does this quote relate to our topic today? Yeah, you know, I think I am a big fan, and I think this is a concept that's carried me through a lot of different disciplines in HR, specific to payroll, though. You know, you've got a very staid practice. A lot of people refer to it as a commodity, but it's a lot more than that. And I think the reason it is considered that by a lot of people is just because of their mental models of what it really is. And they really need to think hard about thinking about that paradigm a little bit differently and kind of doing things a little bit differently as a result. Jason, interesting, uh, in the opening, and I mentioned to one of the other panelists, is this breaking news for HR, for payroll people? That, oh, my goodness, you got to change your mindset. you got to shift. you got to become transformational. you got to become part of the strategic forward motion of the business. And now we're talking about, well, you may have familiar ways of thinking and acting. So I have to change my question, Jason, to is HR and our HR in payroll stuck in their ways and they know they have to change, but they're not jumping to do it anytime soon. Is that a better question? It's a much better question, and I think you actually see that in a lot of organizations. I think you see organizations that go ahead and do things just because that's the way they've always done it. Um, You get an organization that has certain expectations that are set because of things that have happened in the past and because of the history that exists. And as a result, then, you don't have payroll or HR being able to live up to the real potential that they can provide. Thank you very much. Appreciate that, Jason. And now let me move around to the table and finish up our opening segment here. It's Mary Sidlaskis at SAP Success Factors. And Mary has sent us a wonderful quote, actually one of my favorites, Mary, from John F. Kennedy. I know everybody knows who he is, but John Fitzgerald 
Jack Kennedy, JFK, 1917 until the fateful day, November 22nd, 1963. Many of us around still remember the day he was shot and passed away, assassinated. Commonly referred to as JFK, was an American politician who served as the 35th president of the U.S. from January 1961 until his assassination in November 63. He was a member of the Democratic Party, and his new frontier domestic program was largely enacted, interestingly, as a memorial to him after his death. Here's what I wanted to read because we talk about polls today. No, I'm not getting political, kids. We talk about polls and popularity and how am I doing? That's what uh, Mayor, uh, what was his name? Ed Koch used to say in New York. His honor used to say, how am I doing? Well, John F. Kennedy continues to rank highly in historials, historians' polls of U.S. presidents and within the general public. His approval rating on average at 70% is the highest of any U.S. president in Gallup's history of systematically measuring job approval. I thought that was interesting. Here's the quote Mary has selected from JFK. Change is the law of life, and those who look only to the past or present are certain to miss the future. Mary, welcome to Game Changers. How are you today? Wonderful, Bonnie. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us. Tell me something. Are you a big follower of JFK, and are you shocked that his approval rating is one of the highest in history? I'm almost not shocked by it. Um, I'm not quite old enough to remember when the assassination happened, but I am old enough when, when his brother was assassinated. And following Bobby got me really interested at that time to reading about John F. Kennedy and profile and courage and the different things. So, you know... It's not shocking that he's still so relevant in today. Very interesting. Yes, and nice to know that somebody has popularity, even if it's in memoriam. So tell me about the quote. Change is the law of life, and those who look only to the past or present, let's put this in the context of HR and payroll, are certain to miss the future. Where is HR today? Past, present, or are they daring to look at the future, Mary? Yeah, when I look at payroll, I think they're daring to look at the future. Uh from a payroll perspective, they're very risk-adversive, so they see change, and they start to embrace it, but not necessarily execute on it. They want to let everybody else go through it first, employee self-central, you know, giving employee access to information. They let HR do it first, and then payroll says, well, if that works for them, okay, we'll let them do it. So they're always just a little bit behind. What I'd like to see payroll do is now that they're a little more mature is to go out and not just embrace change immediately, but make change, be the change maker. And I kind of want to go back to your question earlier Mm -hmm. was, does payroll understand what strategic means and that they need to be strategic? And from the research I've done, I, I don't believe they do. At least my definition of strategic and what you see out there in research A payroll practitioner's definition of strategic is becoming more agile, uh, developing their processes, processing their payroll faster and more accurate than anybody else. Hmm. That's their idea of strategic, where I think with the amount of information that payroll has, they can unlock that vault of information and go out and use it to help the company be strategic, not just their department. And that's the next step where I think we really need to get to from a payroll perspective. 
Thank you. Really good perspective. I'm using your word and piggybacking on that. Thank you very much, Mary. Let's go back around the table to Tony Cassatt. Tony, this is the part of the show where we get a little bit personal with our guests. Don't take it too personally. I just want to know, where are you calling from? What time of day is it? Or not day, evening, morning, whatever. And what are you drinking right now? Or what are you planning to drink after the show? Brand names are fine. We just want to know what's in your cup today. Tony Cassatt. Okay, well, thanks, Bonnie. I'm in the Eastern Time Zone uh, here in New Jersey. Uh, I actually, uh, it's about, I guess, 2.30, but I traveled back from the SAP conference in Las Vegas uh, late last evening. So although I am energized from all the information that I absorbed there, it's critical at this point for me to be drinking a Red Bull to kind of stay up to speed on all of the activities that's going on today. Tony, I had a panelist on a live show at 10 o'clock this morning, and I asked her uh, if she was drinking coffee, and she said no. She was done with her coffee, and she was substituting a Red Bull. She was somewhere on a somewhere somewhere in Europe, I think. She's normally here from typically here in the U.S. in the Eastern Zone, like you are, and I am. And she said no. She had gone to, and I said, "Is it worth about five cups of caffeine?" She said, "Oh yeah, she was really flying." So that's the second Red Bull on Game Changers today. I think we're going to have to get them as a sponsor. Uh, Tony, you're in New Jersey. I'm in. New York, I'm going to lean out the window of my radio station, my booth here, and I'm going to wave to you. Can you see me waving and the curly red hair following the... Good. Okay. Hi, Tony. Nice nice to see you. And exactly 2.19 here p.m. in New York. I think you're on the same time zone. Thank you very much. And let's turn to Dr. Brian Fieser. Brian, where are you calling from and what are you drinking today? Well, thanks, Bonnie. I am. Uh, I actually am at this. Was at the same user conference, and I have not left Las Vegas. I am still in Las Vegas this morning. And uh, I would maybe switch this to what I am not drinking, and I am not <laughs> drinking Jefferson bourbon any longer. I, I, will, I will not say whether or not uh, my last drink was early this morning or not, but uh, uh, it is no longer in front of me. I see. Well, you know, what What do they say? What happens in Vegas? We know the rest of that. We're not even going to finish that one. So right now, if you were if you were back in your office, what would you be drinking if you're doing the show from your normal place of business, Brian? Uh, I would mostly, at this point, be, uh, be on water in the afternoon. Okay. Good to know. A purist among us. I appreciate that. I'll tell you why that's important to me in just a moment here. Let's go around the table to Jason Hall. Where are you and what are you drinking today? Yeah, Bonnie, I'm in Atlanta and uh, at the same time, 219. And having been with Brian and uh, Tony over the past few days, I can certainly attest to what it is that they drink after hours. Um, but from a, from a uh, being in Atlanta perspective, certainly sweet tea is uh, what I moved into about 11.30 this afternoon or this morning, and uh, it'll continue throughout most of the day. Now, tell um, me something. Did it take you a long time to get used to the sweetness of sweet tea? Because I have relatives yeah. down south, and I can't deal with it. It totally did. And, you know, we get people, my mom is British, and we get her come to visit, and she just can't stand the stuff. Entirely too sweet. She needs that bitter Earl Grey type stuff when she's drinking her tea. But for me, it's uh, the most close to hummingbird juice that you can get, the better it tastes. So, What's hummingbird juice? You have to explain that one. Yeah, it's just the sweetest drink imaginable, and it's how my kids describe any type of soda or those types of things that they might have, uh, just because they know that it's mostly sugar water that we give to the hummingbirds. 
Uh, thank you. I should have known that being a, a sugar fan myself, trying to give it up, but it's not going to happen. Thank you very much. And who is, let's see, uh, Jason, Jason, was that you talking? I've lost yep, track. I'm me. doing so much tweeting. That was Jason Hall. Good. Mary, you're up next. Mary, where are you and what are you drinking today? I'm in San Jose, California, and right now it's pretty boring, just coffee, but tomorrow I'm on vacation, and I make a pretty mean Bloody Mary, substituting celery with a little bacon stir, so kind of looking forward to relaxing tomorrow and maybe starting off the morning that way. Oh, that's that. We have a long weekend ahead of us, don't we? It's Labor Day weekend Indeed. here in the United States. Yeah, last chance, right? Last chance before we get into our Thanksgiving and winter holidays. Now, listen, coffee doesn't have to be boring. Why is your coffee boring? What was it before it was boring, Mary? Just tell me. I, I'm a cheap coffee drinker, so <laughs> I go to Starbucks. <laughs> okay. I'm glad you're like having a, a okay. nice black coffee. doesn't have to be fancy. There you go. I agree with you, but I love my Nespresso machine, and I, I did a little cheating today. I had a little bit of espresso, a little bit of 1% milk, and it was delicious. And the reason I'm saying that to my panelists is that they normally do not allow, they do not allow me to have caffeine on radio show days, and today <laughs> is an extraordinary day. Not only is it September 1st, the unofficial start of summer, OMG, where did the year go? Where did the summer go? Wow. But um, this is the third show I'm doing today for Game Changers Radio. So I really needed that little bit of trickle of caffeine in my veins, and I got it. So I'm ready for the four of you, really am. We have to do a shout-out to Dr. Patty Fletcher at SAP, who always puts together great topics and really extraordinary thought leaders, panelists here on the show. So today we're talking to Tony Cassatt, Dr. Brian Fieser, Jason Hall, and Mary Sidlaskis. I am Bonnie DeGram, and I plan to be after the break, water or not. I am drinking cool, clear water in a cool, clear cup with a cool, clear straw, and it's raining here in New York, but we needed the water. You're listening to Changing the Game with HR Radio Live, and our topic today, hey, payroll, it ain't just transactional anymore. No, I'm not allowed to say that. Payroll, not just transactional anymore. We're going to be right back, so don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial, whatever. We'll be right back. Michael, out. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. From setting up the right structures, enabling technology, and compliant operations, to hiring, developing, and cultivating a culture of success, SAP Success Factors is excited to be your partner in redefining what human resources can deliver to business leaders. Changing the Game with HR brings you insights from the movers and shakers who are making this happen. We'll delve into global business challenges from the boardroom to the shop floor and learn what is working and what has to change, all to help you change HR from transactional to transformational. Tune in to the Business Channel to hear today's top human resources business and technology strategy thought leaders share expert insights on how human resources leaders are shaping the future of change for all of us. You're listening to Changing the Game with HR, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. 
Now, let's get back to Changing the Game with HR. We're back. We're talking to Tony Cassad, and Tony is going to start the roundtable with the following statement he sent me before the show. HR executives are focusing on how to transform HR and engage their business partners for success. This includes a holistic approach to how they operationalize, integrate, and execute core HR activities with payroll functions. That's a mouthful, Tony. Can you break it down for us? Yeah, if you think about it, uh, it's important as we start looking at how to transform organizations, it's important to pick the right technology, give a holistic view of how to use that technology and how it would be able to be applied in a, spe- in a specific scenario. And that kind of needs to go across the payroll and HR functions as it relates to talent and as it relates to support and knowledge on that technology. So I think it's important as to how you build that energy and tell your story through a holistic view and ensuring that you're leveraging the right technology. Okay. What about uh, what about the business partners? Are they in on this? Do they know what's happening? Who are these business partners? Inside the company, yeah. outside? I, I think it's a, it's a combination of both. It's important mm-hmm. that outside of the company, if there is a skill set as it relates to the technology, you need to be aligned with those partners so that you can leverage them and ensure that you're driving best practices, understand the various disparate systems that might be utilized by organizations and how you're able to leverage the technology in order to leverage it. And then internally, it's important that as you have these segments of knowledge, how you can tap into them efficiently to kind of ensure that everyone is knowledgeable and you don't create these pockets of of knowledge that no one shares the information appropriately. So it's important that when you're either picking a partner or internally aligning your partners, that you're delivering a common message that you're able to kind of show value in the support that you provide. Thank you very much. Let's move around the table and get some comments. Let's just keep it brief, about a minute and a half each. And Dr. Brian Fieser with 3D Results, what do you think about what we just heard from Tony? So, Bonnie, I I see this pretty regularly as this dynamic changes over the last few years where organizations are moving to these very holistic strategies and not just point in time, you know, best in class or point solutions. And so, it is really driving a behavior, uh, as Tony articulated, in which the technology has to be integrated, the business uh, in multiple places has to be integrated and aligned. And I think the piece that um, kind of Tony talked a little bit about was really the governance piece. And it is a way in which they, um, businesses have to really reassess all the different pieces that have to be aligned from a governance perspective to make sure the entire, the entire system is working effectively. Thank you very much, Jason Hall. Join us. What's your thoughts? Yeah, you know, I key off of what Brian said first. I think from a governance perspective, it can't be underestimated. And there's certainly a lot that organizationally you've got to do to make sure that you've got the right rigor in place. Specific to what it is that Tony was saying as it relates to the business partnership, right? So you've got to make a commitment. You've got to have the governance in place to make sure that you're reaching out to your stakeholders, these business partners, to make sure that what you're doing from a payroll perspective isn't aligned with what you're trying to do from a business perspective, I think too often that's where the disconnect is. There isn't that alignment. There isn't a sense of partnership that exists. Payroll just does what payroll does, but they don't really do something that's going to resonate with or prove that what the business is doing is making some impacts on their employees. And I think that's the big miss, and I think that's why sometimes this falls down from a transformation perspective. Now, did you say miss or myth? I want to make sure, because I think they both apply. 
They do, and I said myth. Um, but I, I think <laughs> okay. from your prior questions, I think the myth is, is certainly that there's uh, this payroll function. It exists. It does what it's supposed to do, but it's not really doing what it should be doing um, mm-hmm. because of the expectations that people have of it, right, which is the transformational and the transactional and the movement into a transformational direction, right? People are just so used to payroll being what payroll is and the connotations associated with doing something accurately and um, making sure that people get the right money that they're owed that they Mm -hmm. fail to realize that there's a bigger nugget there. There's something else from a metric and a talent perspective that can really be understood and tapped into. And Jason, I think that's the the nut of the key to our whole conversation here. Thank you for articulating it so beautifully. And let's circle around to Mary. Mary, join us. What are your thoughts? My thoughts are, in this subject, I I personally don't believe technology has a lot to do with it. The way I look at it is that payroll has this wealth of information locked in a vault behind some room uh, with compensation, benefits, talent management, things like that. And what, what payroll needs to do to get the proverbial seat at the table and to move outside of a transactional uh, part of the business is to kind of go out and find, like I said at the beginning, find change. So find something within the organization where they're struggling, whether it's mergers and acquisitions, diversity, someplace where historical and current payroll data can add value and help the company make strategic decisions as they're moving forward. And no one's going to come to payroll and say, hey, how can you help me? It's up to mm-hmm. payroll to go out into the organization and find out where this wealth, this knowledge of information they have about all their employees can be used to enable the business to become more strategic. Thank you very much, Mary. Good conversation. I'm going to circle back quickly to Tony. Anything you'd like to do to wrap this part of our discussion up in a red bow, Tony, or you want me to move on? I'll leave it up to you. No, I think everybody has touched on the the key points around how you're supposed to look at the stakeholders, the behaviors, the alignment, and I think uh, how to leverage the technology. I, I think those are important things uh, as a holistic view of what we're doing today. Thank you very much. I'm going to move on to Dr. Brian Fieser with 3D Results. Brian, I picked a couple of points out of your notes here that I'd like to put together. Indulge me, sure. please, for a second. You can tell me if I'm wrong. I'm looking at the couple of statements. One, you start out with saying, payroll should be seen as a way to improve staffing models. Most people wouldn't think payroll data can and should be used to drive staffing models and talent acquisition efforts. So let's leave that there. And then the second part I'd like to combine with that is you said, Believe it or not, beyond the paycheck, the data that comes from payroll can be a really important component of driving employee engagement. So talking about the staffing models and the employee engagement, is it okay if we combine those two? Absolutely. It's, it, uh, it is effectively the application of what Mary's talking about. It's how do we use payroll information to get insight into other parts of the business or to, to link payroll information with other data sets from our human capital space in order to make better informed business decisions. So as we look at uh, large retailers and we look at clients that have uh, really a need to drive insight into staffing, for example, we can look at payroll data and we look at the part-time workforce and see how much flex is kind of still available in terms of of hours worked or the full-time staff in terms of overtime and start to inform uh, even, you know, uh, stores or even teams within stores around the amount of work that's being done by those groups and the need to, to proactively start to look to hire uh, against those, uh, those kind of uh, uh, indicative uh, 
components on payroll. I mean, even if you look at engagement, like how and in what ways do we take payroll data and understand it as a proxy and understand that we can look to get insight about the levels of engagement just from from information around benefits and the kind of uh, participation rates we have from our workforce. And so those are the, the components that Mary talked about in terms of data sets that help drive and inform business decisions in other places. Let me ask you a question, Brian, before we bring in Jason and Mary and go around the table to Tony again on this one. Is it a surprise to people in payroll that they're sitting on a wealth of data? Do they know it? Do you have to open up a book or a program or give them a dashboard and say, hey, look at all this cool stuff. It's right here. You are sitting on a treasure trove of data that's valuable to the business. You matter. We need you. Your job. Are they going to say, well, I want to raise if you want me to do that much work? <laughs> are they aware that the data is there. Maybe it's not at hand, but it's there somewhere. Is this a surprise? I, I, I find that it's a surprise for organizations to oh. find ways in which they can ask the business questions and use data, whether that is payroll data linked to talent data, linked to acquisition data. It is a way to ask questions and understand the, the information that's available and combining it in ways that give insight. HR typically hasn't had that kind of of uh, what I might say is a core capability in the past. And so doing payroll in very efficient ways, ways in which that don't cause disruption to the business, I think is very core capability of HR. Driving insight into the data set, I think that's a new expanding horizon. Thank you. Interesting. Okay, we're looking for reality checks. I think we're getting a lot of them here today. Jason Hall, join us. Thoughts, agree or disagree? Yeah, you know, I agree. And having a payroll organization that reports to me, I think the miss and the surprise is often in the linkage, right? So you have the employee life cycles. I think too often when we look to glean data from payroll, it's just as a result of what's passed into payroll and how people are getting paid and what the expense of that is. Where the real story is, is when you're able to link stuff like with talent acquisition, like Brian mentioned with staffing and with engagement to be able to show how that manifests itself in like a paper performance culture or in your compensation information. And I think that's where the big surprise is. And I think the reason why oftentimes payroll is not looked at is because there's a big reveal when it comes with payroll because there's a cost associated with it. I think oftentimes organizations are reluctant because they're in conflict maybe with a finance organization and how they report cost to how HR actually sees that cost manifest itself in their payroll. And sometimes those are out of sync and they're telling a different story and oftentimes organizations are very much finance-driven. Um, I think that HR needs to spend a better time being able to speak the language of finance to make themselves more relevant. But often there's that disconnect. It could be something as simple as what the definition of a full-time equivalent is, you know, from a finance perspective to what an HR person feels. But it's all of those that actually create, and I'll use the word you thought maybe I said earlier, which is the myth associated mm-hmm. with what goes on, right? I think there's a really big disconnect there that exists in most organizations. Thank you. Mary Sidlakis, love to get your two cents or however much spare change you've got in your wallet right now. What's in your wallet today, Mary? Mary, talk to me. I couldn't agree more with Jason on that last comment as far as how payroll and FI and finance work together. In a recent customer that I worked with, I noticed that as they were expanding and opening new stores, they always ran into the same problem. The budgeted salary amount they had was always lower than their actual salary. Well, as we researched it, we found out the numbers they were using to budget the salary for this new store was coming from finance. 
And finance was just using blended dollars that they had from GL accounts. Where if they would have gone to payroll, they could have gotten actual salary, actual overtime from stores of the same size, of the same employee makeup, of the same type of uh, revenue expectations to create a much better model and understanding of what the costs are going to be for opening that store. So back to where Jason said, payroll and finance working together closer and understanding the same language and talking the same language when, when they're dealing with, with budgets or mergers and acquisitions and things like that would be extremely beneficial to the company. Thank you. Tony Cassette. I'm circling around the table. You saw me coming. I know you did, Tony. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think everybody's touched on it, but if you think about it, I think too often the buzzword today is big data, and I think mm-hmm. payroll sometimes is looked as a, a downstream kind of transactional activity, and although there is data, they don't know how to use it or measure it correctly to show the value that's needed uh, within their space. So I think it, everything that everybody said is correct. Thank you very much. And I'm going to give Dr. Brian Fieser just a moment to wrap this up. Brian, anything you want to add? Some good comments from your colleagues. Do you agree? Disagree? Yeah. So I would say payroll is uniquely positioned in this space where HR and finance have to be able to communicate more effectively. Payroll is the closest one to bridge the gap. It is the space where we talk about dollars. It is the space where we talk about uh, very significant financial impact to the business. And so they have a unique position to be able to align the HR department and the finance department. Thank you very much. And I'm now looking at the notes from Jason Hall at CDK. Jason, a lot of interesting things here. Uh, one I put into my intro, lifting from your notes, you say, I hear a lot about the perception of payroll as a commodity. I think we've covered that one uh, here. Consideration has to be given to cultural differences. And this when you're talking about HR and payroll leaders working differently, more transformationally, less transactionally. Payroll can't just stay the recipient of the input. So let's talk about cultural differences. Are you talking about the workforce within a company? Are you talking about the culture within HR and even deeper inside in the payroll function? Let's talk about cultural differences. Why do they matter? Whose are they? Yeah, I think when I was, uh, you know, thinking about that quote and, and the question, it was specific to what we're experiencing globally as a company and the cultural differences and the way with, with you're driving to all your associates or employees to the same results, yet you've got to take into account the fact that they get rewarded in different ways in different places. Too often, uh, someone, an executive, for instance, that has people all over the place looks to kind of sweep broadly with some type of reward or something that manifests itself in payroll, but they miss. And the reason they miss is because they don't consult with those different cultures and they don't consult with the people in payroll to be able to understand what's going to be most meaningful and what's going to make those rewards equitable. And I think that's traditionally what happens. You know, too often, I think, when it comes to being paid um, or being given something in reward, of what it is that you're doing for the business, there's often a disconnect. It could be a disconnect in the timing when it's paid, the fact that it doesn't get paid, mm-hmm. the fact that it surprises the manager who wanted it paid in the first place and doesn't, isn't able to do a very good job of being able to you know, tell the person what it's for, um, or just a situation where it doesn't really take into account what it is that that person values that's getting it. And so you know, the collaboration, the dialogue, the fact that it shouldn't just be somebody who says, put this into payroll and then it happens, that there's a conversation at a higher level as to what's trying to happen 
and you're making sure that what you wanted to have happen actually manifests itself uh, for that employee that you're paying. Very interesting. Thank you very much, Mary. Love to get your input on this one. Then we'll circle around to Tony and Brian. And go ahead, Mary. Yeah, I agree absolutely with what Jason said. And it's it's interesting because on a different spin of it, at SAP right now, diversion and inclusion is a, is a big topic. And we just internally did a salary review of all our employees to make sure, you know, all of the different male, female, inclusionary things are everybody's paid for the same amount of money for the job you do. And I started thinking about that, and I'm like, well, where else can payroll uh, play in on that? Where could they bring value that no one's thought about it yet? And as Jason said, there's re- company rewards out there. And so I called it the attaboy reward, which we have some of those where your peers can nominate you for, for a, a monetary reward for going above mm-hmm. and beyond. So the system that runs it knows that they're giving $25 or $100 or $250 to somebody, but they don't know who. Payroll knows who received the reward, what their position is, what their gender is, all of their ethnicity. What if you ran a report that said, okay, tell me everybody who got a $100 out-of-boy reward, and then you found out the only people getting it were, you know, 45-year-old white males. Mm. Sounds like a great program because we're paying out a million dollars, but are we paying it out to the right people? So that's where payroll can help add strategic value in a subject such as diversity and inclusion. Thank you, Mary. Very interesting. And I, I'm looking at your notes. I'm not quite ready to go there, but I've, I've got some great uh, topics we're going to bring in on, the, on the, the tail end of this conversation. So let's move over to Tony. Tony comments on what we're talking about here. Jason started it. Mary's talking. Go. Yeah, I, th- I think obviously uh, interesting CDK Global, SAP, ADP, multinational. The cultural boundaries are important to understand that. It is important that mm-hmm. the, the rewards are meaningful and are given to the right people. And I think the other information there is make sure there's not a disconnect on the information that's being passed along and to ensure that the collaboration and dialogue is succinct whenever these things are happening. And it has to be understood all the way through the organization. Thank you. That was a really good one. Uh, let's see what we got. Dr. Brian Fieser, want to get you in on this. Thoughts? Yeah, I'll just... I'll just pull off a one piece of Jason's comment, and it's really mm-hmm. uh, maybe at the what we'll call the cross-country manager. So that that cross-country manager and understanding how those rewards are applied in different places globally has a very distinct uh, kind of learning curve to understand the impact they have with their staff across the globe. And so, uh, increasingly, the the demands of the management team not just executive managers, but line managers that have cross-country uh, virtual teams are really um, increasing, and part of that is the sophistication at which they need to understand how the rewards are playing out in the different parts of the globe. Thank you. Jason Hall, you want to wrap this one up for me? I've got some really interesting stuff I want to pull in from Mary. So, Jason, give you a minute here. Yeah, no, I think we've done a great job with this topic. I would just encourage people to go ahead and make sure that you are consulting with payroll from a managerial perspective and looking to understand what it is that you're trying to do with that reward um, and that you can actually make happen what you intend to make happen from a payroll perspective. That partnership is key. 
Thank you. That sounds like intention and planning and strategic forward-looking to me, but we'll leave that one alone. Mary Sidlakis, I'm looking at your notes. A couple of interesting things here. We've just had a tweet from uh, one of our loyal followers, Karen Geraldo, 24, and Karen was asking me a question. Karen, I see the question. It was sent as a direct message to me on Twitter, and I'm going to address that with Mary just right now. So, Mary, if you'll just indulge me for a second, I'm going to pick up several of your discussion notes you sent me, and I think they tell a very interesting story. So just bear with me. Mary says, there is a lot of factual data in payroll. It's historical. It shows trends. We should look to tie payroll results to successful completion of training. I'll leave that one on the table. Second one, there is a challenge with the payroll function. Payroll managers work in a silo. Karen, listen up. 20 years ago, payroll reported to finance. Now they report into HR. That's what Karen was addressing. Number three from Mary, we need to move payroll from the proverbial windowless windowless room in the basement where efficiency and employee self-service remain the strategic topics. And there's one more that's really hot topic. She says businesses are moving away from formal performance reviews and traditional performance plans, but employees still need to receive feedback. Mary, pick and choose wherever you want to go. Let's see how oh, we got about, th- I'll give you three minutes because there's so much good stuff here. Mary, what do you want to talk about? There's so much there. Um, I think my, my main passion right now is really getting payroll to understand what kind of data they have and getting out of that proverbial windowless room in the basement. Payroll really is where HR was 10, 12 years ago. Right? HR did not have a CHAR, CHRO. They were seen as transactional and no value add. Started talking about you needed a seat at the table. You need to get up there on the board level. Enough talk action, and now we have CHRO. And I think that's where payroll needs to go. They need to become strategic. And even going into uh, when we talked about learning, how can we use payroll information to help enable people to learn to identify maybe when compensation adjustments should be made? All of this kind of rolls in together to help the payroll leaders create value for the organization. Thank you, Mary. I just want you to touch on one more before we quickly go around the table because we, oh, we're about four minutes away from talking about our predictions, and that's a, and a very important part of the show, the crystal ball predictions around Mary. Businesses are moving away from formal performance reviews and traditional performance plans. I've heard this. Rumors are flying. I hear there have been some press releases. No names will be named. It's okay. What are we going to do? How are we going to give feedback to employees if we don't have formal reviews? Love them, hate them. They still give some kind of feedback, or they're supposed to, even if we write our own reviews. Ha ha, Mary. Mary, talk to me. What is your, what is your prediction on this one? I hate reviews, personally. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's really the told you it was provocative. Go ahead. <laughs> think about it. Once a year, you have to sit down and think about everything you've done over the year and try to make yourself look great. Remember all the good kudos you've gotten from across the organization and condense that into a couple of lines into this performance review document. And then mm-hmm. you go over it for half an hour with your boss. That happens mm-hmm. one time a year. But what if we changed it, instead of a formal sit-down once a year, it's an ongoing conversation. So now we're doing, like, mini performance reviews every month. Every consistent, continuous feedback from managers to employees that, you know, 
in the past, he had a lot of what we called one-on-one, so a meeting one-on-one, you and your manager, but they were informal. What mm-hmm. we would move now, if we get away from the traditional uh, performance management and annual compensation, is taking that and spreading it out over a year. So I'm getting immediate feedback from my boss, and I'm giving immediate feedback to him. And that's what we talk about when not really eliminating performance information or reviews, but, but just changing the way that we give them and the way that we work with managers. And I think payroll comes in important on that because as you're opening up your feedback to, man- to your employees, you also need to open up uh, some salary considerations and maybe putting out pay scales so people understand, you know, the grades and the scales and where you stand from compa ratio perspective, much akin to the uh, Glassdoor model. I can go out to Glassdoor and probably find out more information about my peers than I can internally. And, and that shouldn't be true. So how do we move that, become more transparent with our employees and more proactive with our employees? And that's what we're talking about when you're doing away with performance reviews. It's actually doing away with traditional and bringing it a little more current. Thank you. And Mary, I used to work for a, a big, uh, I'll call them a telecommunications company that had some really sexy phones because we used to get all the prototypes when I worked there. They demolished their office in White Plains, New York, but they're global and they come from another part of the world. Just leave it at that. I have some great prototypes in a bag in my closet and I don't know what the hell to do with them, <laughs> but they were really beautiful high-end phones. Anyway, we had to, every week, we had to email a report from us to our manager and it was, it was ludicrous because every Thursday by 1 o'clock we had to tell our manager what we accomplished that week and what our plans were for the following week and where we would be. So it was called Where's Waldo? That was the forward part of the... I said to them, how can you ask me at 1 o'clock Thursday to tell you what I did if I haven't finished Thursday and Friday isn't even here? They didn't want me to say anything. But that was the goal. You had to have your report into your manager once a week and you did or didn't get immediate feedback, but at least you were saying, I'm working. I'm working hard, supposedly. I can factually tell you what I've achieved. You can come and ask me about it and I'm I'm." completely transparent. Any quick thoughts on that, Mary? Did you Would you like that model, or is week, weekly too much? No, that doesn't work. And even the fact of the information you're giving them doesn't work. We have the same thing here, right? On Thursday, we have a team meeting. I tell my boss everything we're doing. Half an hour later, we have a one-on-one. What am I supposed to tell you? <laughs> There's nothing new here. We're talking half an hour, guys. <laughs> I know. What these, when you change your performance, it's to give growth, Right. How can I, as a manager, help you to grow as an employee? Not, what are you doing at 12 o'clock today and give me your lawyer-type time evaluations every 10 minutes so I can bill somebody. It's, how can I help you grow as an employee? What are your career aspirations? Based on what you're doing today, how can we get you to the next level? So it's continuous improvement. Thank you. I like that, and I think that's a great goal. We are at the time where we have to do crystal ball predictions. I have about 60 seconds for each of you, and that's really all I have. So we're not going to be able to go around the table on Mary's topic. However, Tony, Brian, and Jason, if you want to address performance review of the future in your prediction, that's okay with me. So, Tony Cassatt, prediction, 60 seconds, how far in the future, and what will change? Go. I think... uh Organizations are going to need to be more transformational in order to address the topics that were uh, discussed today. Partners need to be able to take a more holistic approach to kind of leverage best practice, have trusted service, kind of leveraging leading-edge technology to make this transformation easier. And it's important to be able to show the right return on execution. 
as we start to look at this data to get the right message to the strategic thought leaders within organizations. Thank you very much. Let's go to Dr. Brian Fieser. Brian. I've got two for you, Bonnie. The first one, those companies in the future that we're going to see as winners, those that have won, are more likely those, if I pull in my quote, those that get started today. They don't wait in order to start a process. They don't wait to figure out how to gauge uh, payroll data with human capital data. Those are going to be the winners, the one that get on the road and start. Uh, and I also will predict, Bonnie, that you will actually have an entire show on continuous performance management. It is a very <laughs> big topic, and I would predict you'll be talking about it for quite some time. Well, I'm going to predict that if Patty Fletcher doesn't have room for that on her editorial calendar, because her season, well, she's got a couple more shows this season, uh, it may, I have to wait until she renews next year, or I'll tell you what, Brian, if you email me with a pitch, a little abstract on that, we're going to do this in January or February on our flagship show, Coffee Break with Game Changers, and I'll bring back Tony and Jason and Mary to join you. Everybody like that one? Everybody say yeah. yes, we're on live radio. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no pressure, kids. Thank you, Jason. We're using up your time. Jason, I can still give you 60 seconds. Predict. Other than yeah. coming on Coffee Break with Game Changers, predict something else. Yeah, no, I think you're going to see more in the way of manager and employee self-service. I think there's going to be less that's done in a back office and more that's going to be visible and things that people can do themselves. I think data and analytics getting to it very quick um, and it being real-time is going to be something you're going to see more of. And I think the outcome, and we can talk about this on that other session around performance appraisal, is really because as a society, we're becoming more social and we really want to do business the way with which we want to interact as people. And I think you're going to see more than just performance appraisals become um, a thing that happens more frequently. Wouldn't that be lovely? Thank you. And Mary Sedlaskis, I saved the last word for you. Mary, 60 seconds. That's all we have. Go. Hi, sweet. I see payroll going in the same direction as, as HR did uh, 10 years ago, where payroll now is going to understand the value they have with all of that, that wealth of information, as I said, locked in the vault, the strategic information that can help the company grow. They'll break away to some extent from HR, and from finance and really develop their own brand and their own voice to help them add value to the organization and get uh, get the attention of the executive management committee. That's what I see them happening in the future. Thank you very Maybe much. As you can tell... Thank you, too. You can tell, our listeners can tell we did a lot more than talking about just payroll, talking about, yeah, what kind of spreadsheet to use or what kind of analytics to use. We talked about the bigger role of payroll and HR, and you have to be more strategic. I hope you learned something, because I sure did. Can't wait to invite Tony Cassatt, Dr. Brian Fieser, Jason Hall, and Mary Sidlakis back on Coffee Bake. Pat, coffee Break, we're baking, too. Patty Fletcher, you and I have to talk on whether you let me borrow this extraordinary panel. Thank you to the four of you. Great insights, good conversation. A pleasure to meet the four of you. You really, what I call, played well in the sandbox. Shout out to Patty Fletcher, of course, to Michael and the Business Channel team at World Talk Radio. I'm Bonnie DeGram, and here is my call to action. I'm scrolling down in the notes. I should know it by now by heart. Here we go. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Have a great one. Those of our listeners in the U.S., have a great Labor Day weekend, and don't work too hard. Ha! Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Changing the Game with HR, presented by SAP. 
The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Thursdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.